observations through the years, and one of those observations is this, that if you buy a dog a toy at Christmas time, that dog will play with that toy and chew on that toy until there is nothing left of that toy. But if you buy a cat a present at Christmas time, the cat will play with the package for 10 minutes, and that's pretty much it. I also know, I've also learned this, never, ever, ever get a new puppy when the only other animal you have in the house is a cat. An old cat. Because as much as we'd like to say our dog isn't very smart, he just learned everything from a cat. I'm not kidding, I'll sit on the couch or the bed and I can call the dog and you know what he does? He looks at me, no he doesn't meow, he wasn't that good of a student. He will look at me like, who are you talking to? And then he will turn and walk away. Every time. I just, I don't know. Well, also there was this young mother skeptically examining new educational toys for her children. And she was considering buying this one in particular. And she said, isn't it rather complicated for a small boy? Um, She said to the sales clerk, and the sales clerk said this, it's designed to adjust to live it's, it's designed to adjust the child to live in today's world, ma'am. So basically, any way he tries to put it together is wrong. Kind of seems like, like that sometimes in our culture today, doesn't it? Like, anything we do or anything anybody does, there's always somebody that says, no, that's not right. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that that way. Or you shouldn't believe that. Or, or, uh, and, and how fleeting those things are, aren't they? Today's truth in our culture was not last year's truth or the truth 10 years ago or 20 years before even that. So it's been five days since, since Christmas morning and I wonder if there are any kids in the house whose toys are broken already. Anybody have a toy that you got and it's broken already? Um, how about, uh, is there any... Uh, in here who would say that their kids played with the boxes more than they played with the toys that came in the boxes. You know, that can happen for sure. Um, that, I find that that's true when mother, when mother gets a, a new washing machine. The kids really play with that box more than they do the washing machine, huh? <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, Anyone return any gifts already? You got a you got a gift and you returned it. Yep, we've got we've got some returned gifts in the house already. It's interesting, isn't it? We we look forward to we look forward to we look forward to Christmas. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, where are you going, Stacy? Did I say something to offend you? No, I'm just kidding. Good reminder that right there is Daxton, who we prayed for for. A month um, or more. Um, welcome, Daxton, a new. Uh, okay, now you can leave, Stacy. <laughs> I was wondering how I was going to fit that little introduction in. She just took care of it for me right there. It seems like things don't last as long today as they used to, does it? I mean, if you get something for Christmas today and you don't like it, well, just keep it for a while because it's going to break soon or it's not going to work anymore and you'll be able to get that, that next thing. It kind of seems like the quality of things that are made today, though they're cheaper, some things, um, they're, 
maybe I should, well, they are cheaper in somewhat every sense of the word cheap, right? They're, they're not as quality and they're uh, less expensive these days. But nothing, of course, lasts forever, right? I mean, anything that we have or own would, would never last forever. But, or is there something that would last forever? Is there something that would last forever? Can anybody think of anything in here? God's love? Good. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, because it, to me, it's encouraging. As we see an old year gone, and maybe some of you are like, good riddance to 2018, nothing good happened in 2018, and, and you have lots of hope for 2019. Uh, maybe 2018 was a great year, uh, and, and you're thinking, all right, when's the other shoe going to drop? When, when, is the, when is life going to become miserable for me? Well, I don't think it has to. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, there's things that you that you're looking forward to in 2019, like, like your sister coming home from the hospital, for instance, or, or maybe, uh, maybe doctors finally figuring out something to, to manage the pain that your dad is experiencing these days, like my dad is. We, we kind of like to figure out a way that, that he, he, didn't, he didn't go to the, uh, to the Albin uh, Christmas Day service. Um, which is at 6.30. Some of you would say, well, I don't blame him for that. But um, I, I'm pretty sure, I didn't ask him this, but I wonder if that's the first one he's ever missed in his life since he moved to Albin. I, I don't know. Um, that's how bad he was feeling Christmas morning. And uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe uh, we can figure something out there. Uh, look, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Um, Isaiah chapter 9. We've been studying this, this passage for the last five weeks, and, and I hope it's, it's, it's been informative to you. I hope it's grown your understanding of, of, of our Creator, of God, and, and who Jesus is, and who Isaiah was pro- prophesying that he would be. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What great descriptive words of the coming Messiah um, Isaiah talked about here. And which ones, of course, have we not covered yet? Everlasting Father. We we skipped Everlasting Father, and, uh, you know, I was... I was struggling with what to speak on. Should we do a, a you know, a, a New Year's message today, or, or, uh, and I just got the sense that I should, I should cover these last couple descriptive words in Isaiah that, that we kind of skipped over. And, and then as I worked this week at preparing the message today, I thought, wow, it, it would have been a lot easier to just do a, a New Year's message and to have skipped these two words because. It's interesting. Again, just like the, the ones that we looked at last week, um, as, as we looked at Jesus uh, being human and, and being God, um, these two uh, can pose some, some struggles uh, when we try to understand them. So, uh, so these two words here uh, highlight two important aspects of this passage. Um, see, I, I don't think, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Jesus is referred to as as father anywhere else in the Bible. This is, this is the one place where he is, he is described as father. And if, if we looked at this passage as contain, containing names of Jesus, which some find themselves doing, I think we would be in a pickle because how can Jesus be the father when he's the son? 
So I think a better way to understand this passage is these words that we've been going over for the last five weeks are descriptive words of Jesus. Um, although they could be names, I mean, he is, he is Wonderful Counselor. We could say that is his name, though Jesus never says that's my name. Jesus said I am when he was uh, kind of being questioned on who he was. Um, that is his name. We're told he, he is Emmanuel. His name is to be Jesus. But, but Father is kind of reserved for, well, the Father, right? God, the Father. So what does Isaiah mean here? Um, I, I think Isaiah is, is covering the attributes that Jesus has. He has the attributes of God, including eternality, which we're going to look at today. Uh, these names uh, that also point out the fact that Jesus is very much God. And we looked at the biblical evidence of that last week. He is God as part of the Trinity. He is not the Father, uh, but has the same characteristics as the Father. And this verse proclaims the redemption of Israel and the activities and titles and blessings of Jesus, the Messiah, who is to rule the earth and usher in a reign of blessing and peace that will never end. Jesus is mighty. We, we looked at that. He is, he is God. He is wonderful in the literal understanding and sense of the word. Uh, if you weren't here before, we saw that the literal um, Hebrew uh, meaning of the word wonderful, translated wonderful in English, is incomprehensible. Uh, we can't understand him. He is, he, is, he is that amazing. He is that great. He, he is described as a prince. He is royalty for sure, though he came into the world in a very humble, quiet way. He brings peace. All of these are great descriptions of who Jesus is, and today's words, of course, are no exception. Everlasting Father. The Hebrew phrase translated everlasting Father could, tr could be translated literally Father of Eternity. So, first of all, I want to tackle that first word. Um, point number one in your notes this morning is Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. This may never have been a question to you, but uh, the, the Hebrew word translated everlasting here has the idea of, and I love this word, perpetuity. That's not a word you hear very common in the English language, is it? Perpetuity, or without end. Um, Jesus is, is ongoing, and, and not only is he ongoing from the day that he was born, but he had always been. When you think of everlasting or eternal, not just eternal into the future, but into the past as well. Look at the next verse, Isaiah chapter uh, 9, verse 7. Uh, the next verse prophesies, uh, prof uh, uh, Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, Isaiah Nine, seven. Now, in your English translations, as you are looking at them there, at the end of verse 7, there you will see the zeal of the Lord in all caps but small, correct? That word, again, I just want to remind us, that word translates Yahweh, the name that God gave himself. Anytime we see that word in the Old Testament, it's translating that name. 
When Moses said, who should I tell the Pharaoh sent me? God says, tell him I am sent you, Yahweh. A word that commands great respect. In fact, such respect that the Jews would not even say it out loud. They would, instead of say, saying Yahweh, they would, they would put Adonai in that place. They would read Yahweh but say Adonai because they didn't want to in some way disrespect this majestic name that God had given himself. And, and as I read this, knowing that this is the prophecy that the, that the Jews had, that the Israelites had, of the coming Messiah. As you read this, as you read the names of God, and then you go on to see where it says of the greatness of his government and peace, you know, it's, it's kind of no wonder they were expecting Jesus to be what they were expecting him to be, right? A great political power who would free them from the oppression of all of these, uh, of these other people groups at, at this particular time when Jesus came to the Romans. They were hoping that Jesus was going to um, relieve their oppression. He was going to free them. He was going to restore their land to their ownership. And, and it's kind of easy for me to see how that's what they were waiting for. So as often as we are pretty hard on them for missing it, I wonder if we hadn't read that as well, and that was the prophecy that we were hanging our hats on, that that's who, would we, who we would expect Jesus to be. But, but just as should be true in any of our lives every day, sometimes we can expect something that's not the way it's supposed to be, and, and in our expectation we try to make it happen, but we need to take a step back and we need to say, okay God, what do you say it is? And that's what Jesus was trying to teach them. Look, I am the Messiah, and, and, and I am bringing you freedom from sin, not, not necessarily freedom from, from pain and physical things and, and financial things and all of that. My, my mission, Jesus' mission, was to seek and save the lost. And boy, did he do that. Uh, Jesus tried to explain many, many times uh, when he was walking on the earth what his purpose was. Now, as we read that word government in there, in this context, it carries the meaning of rule or dominion, not political power. So when you see that, he... Um, of the greatness of his government, of the greatness of the rule, of the power, of the authority of Jesus, and a peace, and peace, there will be no end. Uh, catch that right there. There will be no end. That's forever, right? There will be no end, Isaiah prophesied. Justice and righteousness will be upheld from the moment Jesus takes the throne. For all of eternity. And he has done that. Jesus has taken the throne. He sits today at the right hand of the Father. He ascended to that very throne the day he left the disciples. He gave them their, their marching orders. He says, go, um, teach, baptize. And there he remains today. Uh, look up here at Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. Stephen, who has been testifying to the truth about Jesus Christ, is, is, is being stoned. But Stephen...
even, it says, at the very end of this, you read the whole chapter 7 if you want to get the full um, effect of what Stephen is enduring and what he did to deserve this. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is on the throne today. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And that will be for all eternity. No one will dethrone him. No one will knock him off of his pedestal. No one will be able to change his current status. No problem you have or I have. No power in the universe will be able to change that fact. No belief in anything else or anyone else will change the fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and will be for all of eternity. And forever, forever salvation can be found in Christ alone. If this planet were to, to last a million years, salvation at the end of that million years will still be found in Christ alone. Forever. Even going through the process of a brutal death as Stephen is right here, where is his focus? When you or I are sitting on our deathbed or we're, we're experiencing excruciating pain or, or we are experiencing a fractured relationship with someone, maybe in our family, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, and we wonder if we can endure this, if we lose our focus, if we, if we retain our focus on Jesus Christ as Stephen did, that peace will be there. As the year 2018 comes to an end, isn't it comforting to know that the love and power of Jesus won't? It won't end. Never will. He will always be there. Now, I know some of you are sitting here today and you think, well, I just don't really feel like he's that close. I, I, first of all, you know, there's more to faith than a feeling. But a feeling is a part of that. Now, I always found it interesting uh, when, I, when I was a youth pastor, uh, once in a while, well, honestly, even as a pastor, someone will disappear. You know, I, you stop seeing them. And you kind of think to yourself, gee, I wonder where so-and-so is. And, and oftentimes when, when this happened in the youth group, I would, I would ask a kid like that. And they're like, oh, well, I just, I just don't feel comfortable being there. Oh, really? Um, normally, that comfort that they hope to feel or that lack of comfort is actually translated as conviction of sin. There's, there's something that they're engaging in that makes them feel uncomfortable when we talk about God and Jesus' love and, and our, you know, uh, the fact that he calls us to obedience. So it's not God that ever leaves us or disappears. It's, it's us who kind of put that wall up and, and, and we just sort of refuse to surrender to, to what he's trying to say to us. But, uh, and, and some of that is listening to the lies of 
of Satan as well. Oh, well, God doesn't love you. Just as he led Adam and Eve to be disobedient and to not trust God. We create that distance. We, we are the ones that kind of go our own way. And, and, and God's like, well, that's what you want. It's not the best. You know, I think, he, I think he also will allow things in our life or intentionally put things in our life that causes us to struggle, um, to call out to him. So no matter what happened in 2018, good or bad, the truth is the love of Jesus and, and his eternality will never change. And I think sometimes we just need to sit and reflect on that. That though my, my emotions change and are fleeting and, and, and my uh, people in my life change and are fleeting and your life change and are fleeting, Jesus doesn't. He doesn't change. He will never go anywhere. He will always be there. He is eternal. Now let's take a look at that second word. Jesus has not only been forever before time, now, and forever into the future. He, he started our new life and will sustain it. And in that sense, Jesus is like a father. Jesus is like a father. Um, John 1, 1 through 5. Look, look at that up here on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Who is John talking about there? The word is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus, whose birth we just celebrated, before becoming fully human, as we, again, as we looked at that last week, was fully God and has always been. And he was the creator of all things. So don't get the descriptive word Father confused. Don't let it confuse you and lead you to believe that the Trinity does not exist. Because come to find out, there are actually groups of people, one in particular, that, that hold on to this verse as saying, Ah, see, there is no Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's, they're, just all, it's, they're just all God. They're just different names of God, not necessarily distinct persons, which is how we would describe the Trinity. One God, yes, one God, but, but, but somehow in existence as three distinct persons. Wow, isn't that a wonderful thought? Literally. Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Jesus is still the Son. And the Father is still the Father. And the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. So, having said that, without Jesus, John says, nothing was made. And through him, all things were made. 
in that sense a father, Jesus was the founder. He was the father. It was all made and it was good. The earth and sky and sun and moon and stars and, and animals and fish. All of it. And God says that it was all good. And then God creates us. In Genesis chapter 1, 26, it says this. Then God said... Okay, then God... This is up here, right? Okay. I, then God, singular, said, Let what? Us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So there we have represented the, the fact that God is one God, yet is plural. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All eternal. And then God says this at the end of that verse, verse 26. It was very good. He creates all the rest of creation, all that stuff that we look at, the sunrises, the sunsets, the, the amazing waterfalls and, and the clouds and all of that, the mountains. God created all of that and he said, it's good. And then he created you and me. He created mankind. And what did he say? Ah, it's very good. You have value. You are worth a great deal to God. So much so that he was willing to come and become human. All right, so this, this idea of father, I mean, he's also the father of time. You know, if all things were made by Jesus Christ, then, then the, the stars and the universe and everything, um, astro, astrologically, is that the correct use of that term? Um, astronomically? <laughs> that would be astronomy. Uh, it's probably not the correct use of that word. But God put all that, Jesus was a part of putting all of that into motion. And, and how the the sun rotates around the earth, right? No, the earth rotates around the sun. You know, I saw something the other day. It was an article that was written by, or it was posted on the flatearth.com or .org website. And it said, this was the title of the article, um, there are flat earthers all over the globe. I thought, wait, is that even possible? God created. See, that's proof right there that you can believe something to be true even when it's not and, and not be right. You know, there is a fact, and that is that the earth is, looks like a big blueberry from space. Um, so he's the architect of the ages. So as the everlasting father, the Messiah will be a father and his fatherhood will be without end. Many rulers in ancient times were considered the father of their country. Who's the father of America? George Washington is known as the father of, of our nation, right? Um, why is he, uh, why do we give him sort of that designation? Well, he led victory in the Revolutionary War and, and, and his support of a strong national government led at least in part to the ratification of the U.S. Constitution. And who knows, without George Washington and his ideas and his thoughts, we might be different. 
we might be a different nation. We might have different laws or obviously maybe even a different constitution. A different form of government. Now, to think of this description as father a little bit more differently, uh, in ancient times, say the father of a nation, God told Abraham that he would be the father of a nation, right? Whose offspring will number or outnumber the sands of the sea. So he was the father of a family. It was the father who was to protect and provide for his children. In the same way, this child to be born that Isaiah is talking about here, and he is prophesying about, will become a king, spiritually speaking for sure, that will be the father to the children of Israel. He will protect, he will provide for them, and his role as protector and provider will not be limited by age. It will not be limited by death. It, it won't even be limited to, again, as they were thinking, just government and property and, and freedom as a people. The rest of these details, of course, aren't described by Isaiah. He doesn't cover any of these things. He's saying, in general, this is who this Messiah is going to be. The full identity of the Messiah, that he is God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, who would protect and provide for his people by his death and resurrection on their behalf. We have those truths right here. I read authors that said, that, you know, talking about Jesus as the father of our nation, and, and that, that these are, are wrong designations, that we're reading the New Testament back into the Old. But as I read those things, I thought, well, sh shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we read the, the, the New Testament back into the Old? Because as we read the New Testament, that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus is quoting. That's what Paul is, is quoting. That's what the apostles are, are looking at. That was their Bible. The Old Testament. Jesus. The Father. Protector and provider. We also know that the Gentiles, that's most of us in this room, possibly all of us, have also been grafted into this family of Israel. This may be hinted at in Isaiah, but God's people would have to wait how many years? Over 700 years for this to come true. Before the Messiah would be revealed. Paul talks about this timing in, in Galatians 4. This would be a last passage. Turn to Galatians chapter 4 in the New Testament. One of the first of Paul's letters. Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4, this is what Paul says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. But when the time had fully come, you've heard the phrase, 
God's never late. God's never early, but he's always on time. I mean, I want him to come sooner. Today would be great. Be great for me. Be great for my dad. But from when they received the prophecy, there was over 700 years because God knew the God knew the time. He knew the perfect moment in time in the history of the universe, and that's when He sent Jesus. That's when Jesus came. Let me let me read that again. But when the set time had fully come. God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, Mary, and her husband, Joseph, born under the law, the Mosaic law, the law that says this is what you have to do in order to to be covered, in order to be, be righteous, born under the law to redeem those under the law. You see, the law has been fulfilled for us in Jesus. He didn't get rid of it. He fulfilled it. He was the perfect sacrifice. The only way that it could be done. That we might receive adoption to sonship. When the Spirit calls to us and we respond in faith, we become sons and daughters of God. Because you are, verse 6, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. See, as a Christ follower, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are. Scripture tells us that. The Spirit who calls out Abba, Father, literally, Daddy. Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. What a gift. What a gift. Jesus eternal. Jesus our daddy. I want to close with this this morning. In the 1960s, Mary Ellen Rothrick was a grad student in English literature at the University of Wisconsin. In 1998, she wrote this in the Christian Reader magazine. Maybe, maybe you can relate to this. This is what she says. Despair seemed to permeate the student body, especially those in the humanities. A fellow graduate student summed it up cynically. Playwright Samuel Beckett is right. Man is just a piece of trash in a universe that's running down. In college, atheism became my religion. Yet when I got into grad school, I found myself seeking to fill fill a spiritual void in my life, which we all have. I began practicing transcendental meditation, or TM. I met periodically with a TM supervisor. After a year or so of meditating, I mentioned that I had a reoccurring thought when I was trying to concentrate on my mantra. It's a line from Handel's Messiah. Something in my mind keeps repeating, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. To my young mind, not only was the music thrilling, but the words seemed to come from beyond this world. I love the joyful language. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. For unto us a child is born, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Her TM supervisor, of course, told her to ignore the words that kept coming to her. But I told myself, these aren't just random thoughts. 
But then it suddenly hit me. The phrase, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, was an invitation from a personal God of glory to seek him. Why couldn't he be wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? Within months, Mary met a woman who explained how she could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mary said, as I heard the words from the Bible, the words from the musical score made sense. The Holy Spirit convinced me of the truth. The God I'd hungered for, the personal God, loved me. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And my question for you today is, can you hear him calling you? You see, he's the only one that can save. I can't. Your parents can't. Your grandparents can't. May we all respond appropriately to him in this coming year. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that that you are everlasting. Yes, you came. You you gave up heaven and came as, as a man. But to seek and save the lost, us. Thank you for that. And Father, I pray that as we enter into the year 2019 this week, that my prayer is that that you would, as you say, you would continue to seek and save, and that maybe those in this room or those watching online would hear your voice, that, that you've been calling. You've been calling, you've been calling, you've been calling, and here they are today, and you're calling one more time. Believe in me. Put your faith in me as the Messiah. Surrender to me as Lord of your life. And you will be saved. Father, I pray that is true. That there is someone here today or who has heard this again online that maybe today is the day that they put their faith in you. They surrender their life to you. As wonderful Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, Amen.